Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. Blessings and prayers to you all this uh, Easter weekend. I trust that you're keeping well and enduring, if not enjoying the lockdown. And uh, hopefully we will get a resurrection from that sooner rather than later. Please remember Debbie Unwin in your prayers. Debbie was uh, taken into hospital by Vicky Um uh, yesterday evening um, with a suspected infection again so please pray for for Debbie. Vicky couldn't stay so you know Debbie's kind of been left on her own uh, because of the current situation so we'll uh, we'll try and keep um, keep up to speed on how we can communicate um, with Debbie should she be be kept in and hopefully stay safe during this uh, this time so please remember Debbie and and uh, pray for her at this time. Uh, I wanted to share a message with you today that I think contains within it uh, understanding that, in my view, is detrimentally and sadly uh, missed from most explanations of the events um, within the Easter story. Um, The events of the Easter story are supposed to be understood in direct parallel to the events contained within the Jewish feast of Passover. So, you know, the the, the, the recording of the story uh, in the Gospels is recorded um, as an event during the Jewish Passover. Uh, I can only conclude for the very specific reason that, that um, understanding something of the Jewish Passover, which was the thing that took place of their... Um, the 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 delivering of and delivering into uh, freedom uh, from a story that has them uh, in captivity in Egypt as a nation as slaves for four hundred years. So so we've got to look at it from from that perspective and allow that to influence our thinking if we're going to try and make any sense of it um, at all. Uh, I do want to get this straight from the beginning because I don't think people are told this. Um, I think to support what I think is a distorted um, version of the gospel story, uh, this is not told because it would require uh, a level of explanation that I think many probably in ministry, sadly, and I'm in ministry, uh, I'm not wanting to engage with. And, and, and that, that uh, thing is this, that, that, that in the Passover story of the children of Israel and the, the freedom, deliverance from Egypt story, the death of the lamb, a lamb dies in the story known as the Passover lamb, the death of the Passover lamb in the story is never, ever, in any way, shape or form, alluded to 
as being a sacrifice for sin. So when Christ is referred to as our Passover lamb, what does that really mean? Uh, you might want to think about that one. I know there are scriptures that people can pull up and throw at you, but they have to also be measured against the absolute reality that if the crucifixion story of Jesus mirrors the, the Passover story and that the Passover lamb that was sacrificed has no reference of that sacrifice being for sin, then we have to think about that. Now, you know, I, I could do a whole message on <clears throat> thinking about that, and I'm not going to at the moment because that's not my <clears throat> it's not my subject today, but you better think about it. Okay? No, that does not demean or devalue what Christ did at the cross. It just means that we may have to approach the the full context of the story and the full meaning of the story from uh, some angles that maybe we weren't equipped with um, in the message, the story that we were given within our particular tradition. What I do know and I'm totally assured of is that um, the historic Passover model um, is, is is a representative story and uh, so much of scripture is a representative story it, it's I'm always interested in the story within the story what what is this saying beyond the boundaries of of ethnicity of of geography of historicity of culture um, what is this saying beyond all that? Where, where's the wisdom in this? What what is the what is the lesson I can learn or the truth I can receive um, if I read this? If I read this um, um, literally rather than literally. Now, by that, I'm not saying this did not literally happen, but I'm saying that there is a literate, which means something in the story beyond that reaches to all of us. And if we don't believe that, then we cannot take the Easter story that occurred at Passover and suddenly pick and choose and decide, oh yes, um, you know, Passover is meaningful to this, because if it's just a literal event at a literal time, then that's when it happened and that's what it is. But we know there is a literate application that says this flows beyond the boundaries, the constraints, the restrictions of its own story. And that is a principle I would encourage you consistently to uh, try to engage with as you as you make your spiritual journey. So so this historic Passover model is the story of a whole nation in their eyes, all people. Um, the message being that that in that story, and I'm not going to go through the story because it, it would just keep us here too long and longer than I want us to be kept here. Um, the, 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 the model is showing us that death is a destroyer from which we must be set free. 
because uh, the whole thing was death was coming in Egypt and, you know, in order for death not to touch you, they had to be the Passover lamb. And there's, there's a whole story with that, as you know, which I, I say I'm not going right into that. But, but what we learn from this is death is a destroyer from which we must be set free. Uh, and by that, I'm looking at death as the opposite to birth, not life. Uh, you can see my last message, which I titled Live Fully and Love Wastefully. If you want to understand that, it, 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 it's available um, preceding this one, which will go up today. Um, it's, it's also expressing that, that escape from slavery to anyone Anything and any system is the prerogative, which means the right of all humanity. So, so it's dealing with uh, death is a destroyer. Slavery, escape from slavery is our right, our prerogative. And, and that's obviously part of the, the gospel message here. Uh, and the third thing is that all bondage must be broken for true freedom to be our experience. Anything to which we are in bondage, tied by, tied up by, uh, must be broken <clears throat> for true freedom to be our experience. So, so death, slavery, bondage are three things that, that um, are right at the heart of, of understanding the why of the Passover experience. And it is all about freedom, which is which is great. Being set for breaking, breaking out from from there, uh, which is a message for all of us. It's the breakout message. It's the ultimate breakout message from whatever holds us, whatever has held us that is not conducive to freedom and to life and to the full experience of freedom and life. That that's really. Uh, the essence of all this, not all these sinful people for whom a lamb died so that they could be forgiven. That that never, never comes up uh, in this story. So whatever context we put to that, don't force it in um, to, 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 to the story in, 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 a wrong, in a wrong emphasis. Now, all this leads me to declare to you my absolute favourite day in the Easter trilogy. Sounds like Star Wars. The Easter trilogy. Um, Good Friday, Saturday, Easter Sunday. The Easter trilogy. And uh, my absolute favourite day is not Good Friday. <clears throat> uh, although I'm very grateful for what happened on the Friday the crucifixion of Jesus. Uh, it's not the resurrection. I'm very grateful for what happened on Resurrection Day, uh, which for us is the Sunday, which which uh, in the Jewish calendar was the first day of the week. <clears throat> but my very absolute favourite day in the Easter trilogy is the day in the middle, <clears throat> which in essence would be the Saturday Jesus uh, it's crucified the day before Passover. Uh, and then we have the Saturday, the Sabbath, and then we have the first day of the week, the Sunday, which is Resurrection Day. Um, now, I would say that we have an obsession, maybe rightfully, I, I don't know, but we do have an obsession uh, with what happened on the Friday 
And so we in the Christian tradition call it good. And that's fine. I have no problem with that. Um, we have a mostly equal obsession with what happened on the Sunday, which is today, which is Easter day, the first day of the week, the resurrection day. Um, although you might not believe that considering the morbid nature uh, of most Christian tradition, you know, forever asking for mercy, forgiveness, accept us, oh Lord, please visit us, please come. God is always somewhere else, uh, not here, and we always need forgiveness because, you know, all that, you know. So so I'm not sure uh, that, that those who seem to have an obsession with uh, resurrection have fully embraced the, <laughs> the joy of resurrection. Uh, but the middle day, the Saturday, the Sabbath goes mostly unmentioned by anyone. Uh, it's not going to crop up in many sermons. It's not going to appear in many writings. And if it does, it's probably not going to engage with the emphasis and the importance that it, it truly has. <clears throat> but that's my that's my favourite day, absolute favourite of the three Easter days, the trilogy. The middle one. So why is my focus so much on this day? Why is it my favourite? Why do I think it's the key to understanding the whole thing? Well, let's take a step back through the model laid down by this story, which is presented the way it is to mirror a pre-existing familiar model. So what did Jesus do on Friday? Well, he died. What did Jesus do on Sunday? Well, he rose from the dead. But what did Jesus do on Saturday, the middle day? The answer is nothing. Absolutely nothing. And right there is why if you miss this, you will get caught up in an understanding of the gospel, which is not the more beautiful gospel of Jesus, but the essence of this gospel being taken and distorted into a religion that makes God and his ways look awfully like all the other pagan ideas of God's and their ways. And that's my contention with what I believe is the distortion of the more beautiful gospel that comes through Jesus in the Christ. See, what I mean by that is the pagan ideas of the gods was the gods are angry. The gods must be appeased. What do we see in so many messages at Easter time? God is angry. God must be appeased. What do the gods require? A sacrifice. What does this God require? A sacrifice. So whether it's throwing virgins into the, into the volcano in the Mayan religion, or whatever model you wish to use, if we are not careful, we distort this beautiful gospel to be simply a mirror 
in its understanding of the divine being at the core of all things, God, the source, the presence. And what he did with Jesus as simply the Christian version of the pagan versions of God and what the gods require and what the gods must do. Which again is why I put to you that whatever was the significance of this Passover lamb, uh, sin was not the core issue. Death was a big issue. Sin was not a core issue. And so, and so if we're not careful, we distort this gospel to God is angry, God must be appeased. Uh, and then we have, you have to have a sacrifice. God can't just forgive. Uh, God can only forgive if you are sorry and if there is somebody to stand between you and God. And we have a kind of a good cop, bad cop gospel you know God's the bad cop who wants to destroy you because he's really angry Jesus is the good cop who's pleading with with the bad cop so you don't get what's coming to you listen I'm, I'm sorry but I cannot I cannot in any way associate my heart and and my my support to versions of 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 expression that that seem to display this loving father uh, at the source of all things to be in the model of all religious creations throughout the ages when it came to the issue of um, of the divine and all that you know so so. So the pagan idea is that God's are angry, God must be at peace, and then that you will be rewarded for doing good and you'll be punished for doing bad. I believe that um, the, let's call him the Abba of Jesus, that means the daddy of Jesus, the father of Jesus, the one who Jesus was trying to present, the father, always presenting I and my father, wanting to draw you not to a an image of a God, but to draw you to a loving father, that 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 when he draws us to that father, it is not the system of you'll be rewarded for doing good, you'll be punished for doing bad. He'll forgive you if you're really sorry. It's the issue that our, our any, any sorriness we bring that, that in Christian tradition we call repentance is, is not to initiate forgiveness. It is a response to the acceptance that we already have with this loving father. And a bit like if you know the story of the prodigal, uh, our seat at the table has never been removed. And uh, the prodigal came back trying to tell his dad how terrible he was and how bad he was. And uh, his dad wouldn't hear any of it. Any of it. He just put uh, a robe on his back, a ring on his finger, shoes on his feet. And the essence of that story is that that, that when this young man went back into the house that he had gone to work out his stuff, which his father had approved, gave him his inheritance, go work out your stuff. When he came back and walked back into the house, he looked the same to everybody when he came back in as he did the day that he left. They, they, there was no shame, no, <clears throat> no, no diminishing of, of who he was, no accusation, no condemnation. So... So I, I just digress there because I, I am so passionately committed to dismantling this idea 
that we have unfortunately brought to the forefront, I think, of the Christian gospel, which, which, if you are honest, makes God no different to the pagan gods and the way that they required sacrifice to appease themselves and the way that you were rewarded for good, punished for doing bad. I, that's not where this more beautiful gospel is at, okay? And which is why I want to come back, why my favourite is the middle day, uh, of the mall when when Jesus did nothing. Um, see, we have we have record in the Gospels of all the happenings of Friday. We have record in the Gospels of all the happenings of Sunday. We have no record of any happenings on Saturday. Why? Because nothing was happening, and that's my point. That's unless you call rest a happening. So to fully understand this, you, you really have to go back to the model of, of the creation narrative. Six days of incredible creation, but then this statement, on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. Okay. <laughs> on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. Why? Because it was finished. Now jump back to the model that we call the Easter story uh, and you'll see why I've referred you back to this event at the beginning that is meant to be an expression of, of where God sits in the context of all that he has made. What is the state of his being and the state of his heart? So we jump back to the story we call the Easter story and, and, and we bear in mind Jesus' last words. Jesus' last words, as recorded by John, was, it is finished. Um, accompanying this is a very telling and important statement, uh, which is that the temple curtain, that this is the curtain in the Jewish temple that that kept the you and I's, the ordinaries, uh, the non-priests out, that uh, had this hidden space of somehow you can't approach God and God can't approach you and you have no direct access and, you know, you're there, you're out there and God is over here. And to some degree, we, we still have propagated that mindset that God is somewhere else. The moment we say, oh God, please would you come, we have immediately exposed that in our hearts we believe he's not here. Okay. So, so this amazing thing happens when Jesus cries it is finished. The, the, the narrator says the temple in the curtain was torn from top to bottom. Now, again, that was indicating that God did this. This was a God thing. God says, right, okay, I'm going to tear up the nonsensical ideas that you have which mean that you do not believe that, that you have direct access to me and I have direct access to you, that, that we are one, that you're in my likeness, in my image, and, and I am a father, not a distant God, but a close and loving father. So, so what it was also doing was this, this veil, this, this curtain represented the separation that is caused always by religious systems that will claim to want to bring you to God, but in, in, in their workings actually make sure that you're kept away from God because 
if you are one with God and that all works out, it's actually in church terms bad for business. <laughs> so, so that's another story. I'm not not going to get all down that. Uh, but what I want to show, what I'm trying to show you is that part of the finish was was the breaking of a religious system and a religious separation. Uh, incredible, amazing. Um, so on that uh, middle day. Uh, the Jews had a problem in the temple because uh, the curtain was gone. <laughs> we were all in. Ah, it's brilliant. Um, so the nothing to see here record of the middle day. Nothing to see here, folks. Move along. Nothing up. Nothing to see here. The nothing to see here record of the middle day is evidence to the fact that it, whatever it in its fullest understanding is, is finished. Over, done, complete, nothing missing, nothing needed, finished forever. Right? That's the declaration. Just as sure as it was in the beginning of creation, now in this new creation... Because we come out of the darkness of death, this new creation, it is finished forever, right? It's going to be let get on with what's supposed to be the life that is is inherent within um, all this amazing creation that we live in. Now, there are those who have imposed upon the interpretation of some scriptures a Romanesque understanding of the middle day. Um, they will try to take some some scriptures and I could quote them, but I'm not going to. I just want you to get the point. Um, and what they impose is that in that middle day, Jesus went into hell. Which for a start is a devastatingly awful, misleading rewording of the word Hades, which means death or the place of the dead. It was not this fiery punishment place you know so they take a word about about this and they they they, they take it that you know he, he goes there fighting devils and warring to set people free some people will tell you that oh you know on that middle day he was in hell fighting overcoming the devil blah 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 etc etc putting down demons and all that all that which i would say is absolute nutter nonsense because that very model would mirror the Roman empirical thinking of how you achieve an objective and how you become victorious. This, that idea of what happened on this Saturday middle day is, is, is more Roman than it is anything else. And we have lived since Roman times in a very empirical way of thinking um, about about uh, about life and government, etc., etc., uh, mixed in with with some of the Greek ideas is you know more of our supposed understanding and revelation of the gospel is more Greek or Roman influenced than it is God influenced. I'm sorry to say. So so some of these people who will distort that middle day about oh you know Jesus was in hell fighting to set people free and. Uh, fighting the hordes of hell and destroying the devil and 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 warring um, is 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 all that empirical model 
uh, of how you become victorious. And and sadly, that that is still very much in the mindset of much of the church, particularly in the evangelical world. Um, it's about war and battle and expansion through fighting and gladiatorial combat to achieve glory and freedom. And so uh, we've introduced into our evangelical understanding those mentalities about war and battle and expansion through fighting gladiatorial combat to achieve glory and, and freedom. And um, we've titled it under another title, which looks lovely. We call it spiritual warfare. And uh, I'm sure some of you would like to argue for a long time about that. But I I will hold fast to say that that comes from a Roman empirical way of thinking about things and how to reach an objective and how to become victorious. It is not the Jesus way. It is not the Christ way. And therefore, that is not what is going to have happened uh, because that was never the Jesus way. It was never the Christ way. So I absolutely categorically do not believe for one minute that Jesus went down into hell fighting devils and whatever. I do believe, if you want to interpret, interpret the scripture that he went down to the lowest place you could go in order to bring people into the highest place you could be it, it's called in the old english taking captivity captive those which were captive to the lowest place were now taken captive to the higher place it, it, it's a message about being lifted that that nobody can get low enough to get under or beyond or outside of the reach of this and there are no limits on on where that will lift us to it brings us all to the same place we become captive to a grace and a love and an acceptance the likes of which mostly in our human thinking we just cannot comprehend so I don't believe that I think that would be a terminal corruption of the deepest message within the story that we call Easter it is finished is the confession that love writes on our hearts to give us rest. I believe that. So Jesus says at the end of that Friday, it is finished. And I believe for us, love now writes that on our hearts to give us rest. Uh, I believe that death is the prerequisite to rest. So, um, you know, death must die. And and Jesus marked the death of religion as we understood it. He marked the death of the way of bringing life being to be like the Roman type empire thing that you destroy your enemies. He said, no, you love your enemies. Uh, you don't try and get one over of those who are using you wrongly. You pray for those who not you, you do to others as you'd have them do for you. His, his whole thing was death to a way of being even that in, in, in Jewish Hebrew thinking was still prevalent, this tribalistic uh, thing about dominance and, and, and control, um, death is the prerequisite to rest. And for all of us, I have to say, we need to let some stuff die and we need to die to some stuff. That's not a wild theological statement. That is a reality of getting victory in life if you want to come out of where you are, just like with this Passover story, there will have to be a death. Now, I believe we join in the death of Jesus to mark for us the, the, the death of our connection with that which is death to us, if you understand what I'm saying. 
So that death is a prerequisite to death. Rest is the central theme. That's where we come in the middle. So we have death, rest, resurrection. Death is the prerequisite to rest. Let it die, let it die. Okay. All the nonsense in you, the condemnations, the judgments and all that. Jesus said it is finished. Let it die. All that guilt and condemnation and lack of self-worth, let it die. All that self-loathing, let it die. Okay, All that pride, all that arrogance, all that self-centeredness, all that narcissistic tendency, let it die, let it die. All that, all that, all that lust, that thinking that money will make you happy, that a bigger house will make you all, let it die, let it die. Okay. Um, do the Jesus thing. Join with the Jesus thing. Let this Easter be, okay, death to all that that is death, because that's what it is. So death to death. So the, remember the, 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 the Passover, death to death. We're bringing death to death in order to fix it, okay? So death, the prerequisite to death. Rest is the central theme, and resurrection follows rest. The resurrection of the Easter story follows the rest of the middle day. If you don't come to a place of rest, you're not going to enter into a truth of resurrection because resurrection follows rest. Can you see where I'm so, so adamantly tied into this middle day? That's the place of rest. The middle day is when you do nothing but lose yourself into the reality that it is finished. There is a completeness. There is an ending that the requirements upon you are are you, I'm not talking about you know feeding your family and going to work and all that but the requirements on you to be one with the creator and to be at peace are not one of you know throwing the virgin into the into the into the volcano it's a rest that you receive because of the death that you have identified with and become part of, of which Jesus in what he did was inviting us to say, look, come on, die with me, die in me. And in that death, come to the rest of it is finished and, and know fully that it, 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 all of it is finished now and forever for all people. So rest is the central theme and resurrection follows rest. So if you want the joy of resurrection and the power of resurrection, which is life from the dead, this is true life after death. But while you're still alive here, okay, um, if you want that, then you it comes, it follows the rest. You first got to find that place of rest, but you can find it if you let all that nonsense die, which is what it is. And enter into that day knowing that something's been written on your heart by love, which is it is finished. And that has to be your confession. So let me finish by saying this. Jesus didn't start the process of winning by fighting. He did it by dying. So join him. Will you rest today accepting that you are accepted? Will you rest today in the conviction that all will be well. Will you submit today to the truth that your word is not the last word? And will you read the words of love and the words that love has written on your heart as your confession preceding resurrection in all things? And those words are, it is 
finish. Make that your confession today. This state of being is called the rest of the finished work of Christ. And it's yours if you want it. So peace, shalom to you all. And may resurrection be your portion. Because peace, rest is your state. Because death has been your connection with what Jesus did. I want you to enter into this, all of you today, because it is finished. Love you. We'll catch you again later. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash QChurchYork. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest.